Welcome back to the Tale of Two Adams podcast, episode 21, I think. That's so many episodes. Far out. Man, I suppose it's 24 months in two years, so yeah, we're getting to the tail end of the year. It's really coming up. Yeah, well, September's nearly over for us. For you guys, it probably is over. Sucks for you, although we're into the spooky season now, October. Mm. <laughs> oh yeah, we're going to have so many... I was going to say vines showing my age. There's going to be so many reels <laughs> that have the songs, Spooky, spooky skeletons, shivers down your spine. <laughs> anyway, we'll save that for next next Looking month's episode. <laughs> next month's episode on skeletons. Um, nope, that's not a, <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> um, what are we talking about for this episode, Adam? Something fun, something lighthearted, something breezy? Yeah, we decided that uh, September is the season of suffering. Uh, so. <laughs> I'm definitely not projecting because I just, I've just turned 26, I'm getting older. It's a dark time. Do you have a late 20s? Mm. We're still in the mid-20s now? I'm gonna call it mid twenties. Yeah, people, people that are people that are in their late twenties assured me that I've still got one more year, <laughs> one more year mid twenties. I'll take it. I'll take it. Glass half full, which is a good attitude to have when you are in the midst of suffering. I think, unless you need a full glass. <laughs> I, guess, <laughs> I guess you wouldn't be suffering if you had a full glass. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> We're going to talk, as we always do, about uh, the theme of suffering as explored in pop culture uh, and in scripture, and uh, there might be some real-life anecdotes thrown in there. I don't know. I'm not making a promise, um, but there might be. And then at the end, we're going to just... Uh, um, one of us is going to suffer because we're going to do uh, an MCU <laughs> an MCU trivia quiz. We're going to go head to head, um, and one of us will lose, <laughs> and the other, other one will be Adam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of us one of us will lose, and the other will be Adam. <laughs> so good. Oh man, have you? Yeah. What have you got for us? Have you got any honourable mentions to sort mm-hmm. of name drop, or what's your setup for pop culture? I'm just going to uh, throw in a quick Walter White reference. Um, who mm. starts off his arc in suffering. He's, um, if you don't know the Breaking Bad story or the, the narrative happening, basically he has cancer, lung cancer, stage four, inoperable. Uh, and he has to kind of come to terms with what he's going to do in response. And so yeah, in the, in the face of impending death and his family's poverty, how is he going to provide for them and to be a man even when he's about to die and mm. therefore um, and so he um invests in in stock right is that breaking bad that's it that's yeah. it that's the first 20 minutes of the first episode <laughs> so, <laughs> um, the, the remaining six seasons are all about right downhill from there so um yeah walter white a man suffered suffering yeah. Yeah. There you go. There, but there, in the end, there was there was head to his madness. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some honourable mentions too. Well, Clarky's cackling. <laughs> I have three that I'll rapid fire. Uh, two from the MCU: um, Captain America, who I talk about a lot. Um, yeah, he's one of my he's one of my projection characters. I think it's sort of an idealised. Uh, wish that I was Captain America, America, so I think I project a bit of me, when my personality probably, in actual fact, is more often like a, 
a Tony Stark or a first first Thor movie Thor. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> or, or maybe maybe I've got a Ragnarok Thor personality where there's some growth, but he's still I don't know. But um, for me, Steve Rogers is like we should all try to be like Steve Rogers. So yeah, I project sure. a lot onto him, hmm. um, and his version of suffering I think is quite unique because um, he's in essence always a soldier, and then when he's displaced. Uh, and distimed, and he finds himself waking up 70 years in the future from his perspective. Um, there's a lot of, uh, that's, I think that's a form of suffering is not belonging. Um, mm. And also what I was saying about him being uh, a soldier is, uh, I mean, similar to Bucky Barnes, the Winter Soldier's arc, as he, he mentions that his whole life was he'd gone from one fight to the next. Mm. Um, I think that's a form of suffering but the way it manifests in steve rogers is that he doesn't let himself want a different life mm. it's not that he can't have the the life that he wants he has he's blocked himself off from wanting it and it's not till end game where mm. he sees that tony stark can have it and then he goes back in time and he sees peggy again and he finally lets himself want it and not only want it but get it Mm. Um, I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, similar to Cap Spider-Man, um, there's lots of different forms of suffering that mm. he encounters. We're specifically not going to talk about loss. Mm. Um, so what I will say about Spider-Man is just from um, Spider-Man No Way Home, um, the end of that movie, cracker. that's a form of suffering. It's also a form of loss. But the way that... Um, Peter Parker is a stranger to everyone that uh, ever knew and loved him. Mm -hmm. Um, But he does that willingly. It's like, well, that's the essence of with great power comes great responsibility is kind of um, in in some ways, the biblical idea Mm. of um, the needs of others uh, more important than your own needs. And you cannot radically self deny Mm. without suffering. Yeah. Um, and that's why, you know, Jesus says, if you want to follow him, take up your cross, because that's what Jesus did. Yeah. Um, my final honorable mention uh, is a two-for-one from Lilo and Stitch, talking about Lilo and Nani. Oh, nice. Um, they suffer a lot um, together, but they also suffer a lot because of each other. Yeah, nice. Um, Lilo's older sister, Nani, who I think is 19, but trying to be a mother, mm-hmm. can't get work because Lilo's a bit difficult. Yeah. Um and there's a really great uh, video on YouTube by a channel called Cinema Therapy who I was plugging to Clarkie before we started recording. So this is the third video now I've plugged to you. Good. Just a reaction to Lilo and Stitch that kind of looks at it from, through the lens of Lilo being neurodivergent, oh, sure. um, like having uh, ADD or ADHD yeah. uh, or autism, um, which 100... I mean, there's a lot of similarities between ADHD symptoms and post-traumatic symptoms mm. and given the the early passing of her parents yeah, um sure. it could make sense but it seems like some of that predates that loss so i think that actually that's a pretty apt yeah um an apt uh, interpretation of that character is yeah, sure um but which also would bring with it a lot of forms of suffering she's lilo's a social outcast mm. um and she doesn't have a big sister anymore because her big sister's trying to be her mum. Yeah. Um, and her peers 
have no respect for her because she's weird. Mm. Um, and that's just, and you know, she's just a kid. Yeah. Um, so it's a lot of suffering. Plays with dolls and like, mm. is just like a normal person dealing with, or well, the grief, obviously. Yeah. And, um, yeah, she's, yeah, just, she's got so much going on outside of actually processing that she's an orphan. Yeah. Like, it, it's a big part of it and it set a lot of things in motion. Yeah. But, yeah. I think she would have had actual, like, a lot of these struggles, some of these struggles, I think, with her, with her parents still around. For sure. Um, but, yeah. Um, so those are my three. Uh, Leland Stitch and Captain America and Spider-Man. Nice, nice. Uh, I was wondering if you'd throw in um, Harry Potter, Order of the Phoenix, mm. bearing kind of stuff with the weight of the world just on himself. Yeah, I try. I try now, just just for the benefit of the viewers, <laughs> for our listeners, Um to not mention all three of the big three, being <laughs> Marvel, Harry Potter, and The Last Airbender. Okay. Um, so it's, it's, I, I was weighing up what Harry Potter characters to mention. I also feel like if we are doing a future episode on loss, um, I'm mm. going to keep that in the back pocket. Sure, um, of course. But, I mean, in that episode, I also could very easily break that rule <laughs> and, yeah. have, and have all three. But um, That's okay. Nice. But, yeah, what's, uh, what's your big one? My big one... Uh, the big dog himself, Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, Anakin's uh, descent into the dark side is a path of suffering. And it's kind of foreshadowed right at the start of his arc, back in The Phantom Menace. Mm. Uh, Yoda says to him, Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. And hate leads to suffering. And it's, um, there's a lot to say about that. Uh, Yoda's a very wise dude. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's really Anakin's fear that drives him throughout the three prequel arc. Um, fear of losing, uh, people. So we're going to avoid loss, I suppose. Mm. Um, yeah, but also fear of, of other people's suffering. Yeah, and he does. I think, I think it's still that like that fear of loss is still relevant here, even if we're talking about suffering mm. in isolation from loss, because he has a fear of abandonment. Yeah, as much as he has a fear of uh, losing people. Yeah, um, and he has, a, but he does have a fear of not being able to control. Um, like he he couldn't save his mother. Yeah, he does terrible things so that he um, doesn't feel that way again about saving Padme. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, it's not just the fear of loss and about loss. It's like mm. being abandoned. Um, like <laughs> Qui Gon went and died on him. Yeah. Um, First father figure. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Um, yeah. So he's, he's yeah. like he's very he's very emotionally clinging. You actually see that in a weird way in Empire Strikes Back when he latches onto Luke. Oh yeah, um, and he's like, "Join me, and we'll rule as father and son." Mm. Which is an echo of what he said to Padme and Mustafa when he mm. said, "We together, we can rule the galaxy." And he's now Ooh. saying to Luke, "We can rule the galaxy." Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, nice. Yeah, he's he's got some like attachment. Yeah, uh, fears and abandonment. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've heard um, people define trauma as carrying the, like, suffering of the past 
into the present. And it, it, Anakin's kind of the reverse of that. He's carrying the suffering of the future into his present. Mm. Like anticipating that creates suffering for him. Um, yeah, and I think it to, to some extent comes from his past, mm. but it's more that when things happen, it reinforces his fears of the future. Mm. Um, so when it when he is afraid of losing his mum, once that fear is realised, he's even more intense when he fears losing Padme. Yeah, and then he becomes more and more and more. Um, yeah, because yeah, he didn't experience great loss as a child. He actually had, despite being uh, enslaved, he actually had quite a healthy relationship with his mother. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Strangely, was suffering less as a slave, um, and even in Clone Wars, you see uh, Ahsoka's final arc. Well, not her final arc, but uh, when she's leaving the Jedi Order, uh, you see a lot of Anakin's kind of insecurities and mm. fears kind of playing out there as well. And um, yeah, it just kind of reinforces his uh, attachment to Padme and his eventual, um, yeah, state at, mm. in, in at Clone, uh, Revenge of the Sith. That's mm. what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Um, so it's really good. And that really reinforces the, the Jedi idea of detachment being a really high um, principle or mm. doctrine in their order. Um, because if you aren't detached to any, if you aren't attached to anything, you won't suffer anything. And so if you, it's a bit of a, a Buddhist idea really, and if you want to remove suffering, remove attachment. Mm. And so you're supposed to show compassion, but not, um, uh, the thing. Possession, basically. Mm. You can't possess anything as a Jedi because there's fear of loss there mm. and that leads to suffering. It's part of the dark side. Don't even go there. Don't own anything. Which is wacky. It's a, it's a hard way to live, obviously. Um, mm. But if you want to be a Jedi, go detach. Yeah, it's like when Yoda says you must learn to let go of everything you fear to lose. Yeah. Like, I think doing that requires, to some extent, suffering. And maybe I have a pretty broad, like mm. a loose definition of suffering, but I think at its simplest and most... Again, trivial is not the word, but suffering at its most mild could include, um, like, physical mental discomfort. Like, I'm, I'm like, any unpleasantness. Um, yeah. And I would not say that someone, you know, who, who goes the whole day with a, with a stone in their shoe has <laughs> suffered greatly. Mm. But I think if you categorize suffering as enduring situations, or sometimes not even enduring, being put in situations that you actively want to change for them to be more pleasant mm. is, yeah, it's like a type of mm. suffering. But I don't want to, like, trivialize it. But I also don't want to underplay um, yeah. the very real suffering that exists in the world. Um, I'm not a stranger to it. One of the most cathartic lines for me in uh, film or TV that I've ever heard is in Doctor Strange <laughs> when... Uh, he tells Dormammu, uh, when Dormammu says, you're going to keep dying over and over again, they're stuck in a time loop. And Dr. Strange is like, I can, I don't have to win. I just, I can, I can lose, um, over and over again. And that makes you my prisoner. Mm. And Dormammu is like, but you will suffer. 
and Doctor Strange says, "Do you remember? Do you know the line?" Can't remember now. He says, "Pain's an old friend." Mm. And we don't get a lot of, like, in the context of the movie, we think that's all about his his injury with his hands and his sort of character growth just within that movie. But it was actually like a deleted scene that included a bit of a backstory about the reason that he's the way that he is and he's so um, abrasive is because he had a sister who died, mm-hmm. and they don't they don't they included that sort of story beat in the second Doctor Strange when he mm-hmm. meets another version of himself. Um, and they do that to kind of test, are you really, yeah, me? Sure. are you really me from another universe? Yeah. Tell me the story. And their lives were similar enough. Yeah. Um, and the reason that he recognized the other Dr. Strange recognized him as himself from another universe was because we, that's not something we've told anybody. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. It's a thing he keeps to himself, which is a form of suffering. But again, that's lost. But mm. that, that line pains an old friend. Like, um, I think suffering has purpose, and what Anakin Skywalker misses is that there is a purpose to it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good, yeah, that's a good one. Are you on main one? Um, no one's going to be surprised, and at this, at this point, if you've been watching this, sh- if you've been <laughs> listening to this podcast, and you haven't thought, I'm at least going to give The Last Airbender a go, <laughs> might as well, like, what are you doing? <laughs> You're missing the point of this podcast. <laughs> If you haven't, if you haven't seen it by now. If you oh haven't, if if we haven't made you think, man, I've got to watch this show, or and or pick up a Bible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not that they're the two most important things. One of them much more than the other. Yeah. But um, I feel like I plug this show enough, and it's you know as shows go, it's not like Game of Thrones or mm-hmm. um, or Breaking Bad, where it's a huge time commitment. No. You can watch it all of it in a couple of weeks if you just watch it like, you know, a couple of hours a day. That's a slow, yeah, it's a slow going. I can probably knock it off in about a week. Yeah. I love it. It's great. <laughs> it's, it's very bingeable, mate. You've got a lot more free time than I do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but Prince Zuko, who I talk about all the time, so he's another one of these characters that I think I project onto for like the opposite reasons <laughs> of Captain America, but also some of the same reasons. I think, I think there's an idealized thing going on there but he his arc is one of redemption that's why we talked about him in our very first episode um his character growth um is well earned and he suffers a lot Mm. along the way like his redemption arc is not cheap it's not not lazily written it's not rushed it's the entire show to be honest Mm. um it's two and a half seasons um of a three season show and um, what I loved is that one of the uh, like he suffers because he's uh, an outcast uh, of his own nation, but also as a member of the Fire Nation and the Crown Prince of the Fire Nation, he's an outcast in the whole world because he's from the Fire Nation. That they're the they're the bad guys. Yeah. Um. And but he doesn't even belong with them. Mm. Um. And he's um. He's set on this uh, quest at the age of 13 to capture the Avatar, which is a task that his father believes is impossible, which is why he set it for him. Mm. Um, and so it's his, his whole, like, adolescence is one big punishment. Mm. Um, but the line that really encapsulates that comes when he's forced to uh, fight 
his father. So he, I don't know how much of this I've like told in podcasts. I try not to go too deeply into like what happens, but essentially 13 year old Zuko sits in on a war meeting mm. Um, because he wants to feel, he's 13 now, he wants to feel important for the, for the Fire Nation out of love. He wants to be respected by his father. And he's allowed to come in. His uncle lets him sit with him. And he hears a general's plans to um, use, like, new recruits to the Fire Nation as bait yeah. so that they'll get real stomped by, you know, the Earth Kingdom soldiers and then the actual troops, the experienced soldiers will be doing the main mission. And Zuko stands up and he says, how can you betray your people like that? Mm. Um, you know, they're, they're giving their lives in service. How Like, you can't do that. Um, and so he has to fight what's called an Agni Kai, which literally just means firefight. Um, <laughs> but it's a duel um, between two firebenders, and he doesn't realize that in speaking out in the Fire Lord's throne, uh, in the Fire Lord's war room, uh, he has to fight his dad, the Fire Lord, not just... He was ready to face the general that he spoke out against, but had to fight his father. And he refuses. And he's not... Ba- so he's not banished for speaking out of turn. Mm. He has to fight that fight for speaking out of turn. He's banished because he refuses to fight his father. Mm, and he's left with a permanent scar on like the entire left side of his face. Mm. Um and the line that his father says is, you will learn respect and suffering will be your teacher. Whoa. Yeah. Mm. Before permanently disfiguring his son's face and banishing him. Mm. Like that, that's the start of Zuko's arc. Because he was always a good, he was a good kid. He is, he gets in trouble initially because he's a good person. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah, you will learn respect and suffering will be your teacher is yeah. a devastating line mm. in a kid's show as well. And from a father to a son. Um, yeah. And I love that <laughs> you talked about Anakin Skywalker, whose son is Luke, who is Mark Hamill. Yeah. Zuko's father is also oh played by Mark Hamill. <laughs> so we're talking about characters who are either the father and son of Mark Hamill. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the line... Yeah, suffering will be your teacher. And ironically, it is, but not not the way that Ozai meant it. Because hmm. um, he comes back and he confronts his father, yeah. and he tells him that, you know, challenging him to that Agni Kai was wrong. His father says, well, then you've learned nothing. And he says, no, I've learned everything, and I had hmm. to do it on my own. Yeah. It's, yeah. Despite being... And outclassed with little love in his life, he's got his uncle, mm. and that's kind of it. He learns compassion through suffering. Mm. And that's ultimately what makes him a great leader for his nation, the complete antithesis to his like ancestors. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And, yeah. So good. Yeah. So, so good. Oh. Mm-hmm. Suffering will be your teacher. That's a great line. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. But um, there's actually one just other thing on that scene of like Zuko, you know, being burnt by his father. Mm. Up until any any scenes that take place before Zuko's fight with his dad or the Agni Kai, mm. his voice is 
I don't want to use the word normal because I love Dante Bosco's voice. Mm. But even when it's Dante Bosco speaking, mm. his voice is clear mm. um, and sort of not always light. Sometimes it's sort of he has a heavy voice, but it's always clear. And the Zuko as we experience him in the show has this very classic Dante Bosco like raspiness. Yeah. The earliest time we hear that. We have two different, there are two different scenes that have 13 year old Zuko. There's one, like all the scenes that lead up to the Agni Kai. Yeah. There's all those lines. Um, yep. Uh, I think that one's a bit earlier, mm-hmm. um, as well. But when he's, even when he's talking to his father during the Agni Kai, his voice is clear. But we also see when he returns to the Western Air Temple in book three, yeah. we see a flashback of the first time he ever went there. And he still has a bandage on his face from where he was scarred. Mm. So he's still 13. It's still very fresh. And his voice is raspy. Mm. And I read a fan theory that his voice became permanently damaged because of the scream when he was was burnt. And I don't know if that was intentional, but like we literally see 13-year-old Zuko pre and post. Yeah. the fight with his dad and his voice is noticeably different. Yeah. So if wow. it's a continuity error, it lends itself very well to this yeah. <laughs> idea that he like ruined his vocal cords. Yeah. Screaming. Um, wow. That's a, that's a type of suffering. That's pretty heavy. But, yeah. Um, mm. But thank, yeah, thankfully, uh, some of the things the Bible says about suffering are much more light, but yeah, yeah, I just, I love Zuko as a character and like, I don't want to go on about, my, like I actively don't want to go about my own life and be like my life is hard but like if you have you know lived a life mm. you've, you've suffered <laughs> like, yeah. if you're living and well I mean if you haven't lived a life in, in that sense you've suffered too but um, yeah mm. so I think suffering is one of those things that, that a lot of people can relate to mm. in some way and it can be relative like person to person yeah, but um, yeah, I think part of mm. humanity is that like the world is a bad, it's not always a great place to live, mm. uh, and we make it that way. But also, we suffer the consequences of that. Mm. Um, this side of Eden, yeah, yeah, everyone's going to suffer a little bit, mm. two or two degrees for sure. But it's uh, no one comes out of this unscathed. Yeah, basically. Yeah, and I, I love that, especially in Zuko's arc, I feel like, well, in every hero's journey, there is a, a moment of, uh, it's like the low moment. You know, you kind of hit the the body of the, of the narrative, and that's the kind of the challenges and the trials that kind of escalate the conflict. Mm. Uh, and as you are going through a journey, that's kind of the suffering aspect so that when you hit the climax, you're ready for the, the final showdown. Mm. And, and then you, yeah, it's great. Fantastic. Uh, and there's two, I guess, yeah, responses to suffering in that sense. And Ozai is thinking, your suffering will turn you into me. Mm. Your, it'll harden you. It'll, it'll toughen you up. You'll learn respect. Through the suffering. Yeah, which is ironic because he never suffered. Yeah. Like, yeah, he thinks he was just... He he thinks that 
Zuko will learn to be like him yeah. through experiencing his suffering, which he never himself experienced. He was always naturally like that. Yeah. Mm. But Zuko goes through the other arc instead of learning respect, he learns compassion. Mm. And so it's like there's two directions that suffering can take you. You can harden yourself or you can accept it and, and move through it. And that's just like, that's a real powerful mm powerful response i love that you know like yeah learning things from suffering is it's part of the story of life mm. it's not the story it's a part of the story and it helps you get to where you need to be as a person yeah whoever that is um one of the most powerful ones uh, just off the off the dome um the pursuit of happiness with will mm. smith my goodness, that guy suffers a lot. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, that's rough as guts. And his, his comments in that one that I often think about, I, I think about the pursuit of happiness. I think about, there are a couple of scenes that sort of stick with me of like, there's a bit of the trope of if you're smart in a movie from a certain period in time, you'll solve a Rubik's Cube in front of someone. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is a little annoying. <laughs> uh, cause I feel like there, there's the bit where he, um, is it, he's a stockbroker and he's on the phones. Yeah, and, towards the end. Um, but he realizes that everyone else is wasting time hanging up the phone by putting it down and he just puts his finger on the, uh. the thing to hang up and then, um, so the sort of, that moment's always stuck with me. But the biggest one that really stuck with me is his comments about the constitutional right to the pursuit of happiness. Yeah. Um, being very cleverly worded because it was something that you can only ever pursue. Mm. Um, and that's like, those are the words of a man in pain. Like, mm. Mm. Damn. Oh. Yeah. There's some good ones there. Should we talk about the Bible? Yeah, let's do it. Get into it. Uh, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. I think um, I've got three verses and a concept. Mm. And the verses kind of are sequential, so I might just go through them Hit me. rather than doing a back and forth. That's all right. Yeah. Um, the first one I have uh, is from Romans 5, uh, verses 1 to 8. And the reason I've included 1 to 8 is for sort of a bit of background, but um, it's Paul writing to the church in Rome saying, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. But a context for that, if you're not, if you're unfamiliar of how any of that came about, Jesus suffered um, mm. on the cross and died to achieve this. Mm. Uh, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, mm. because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. So it's kind of the opposite of Yoda's warning, um, yeah. is that fear leads to <laughs> anger, which leads to hate, which leads to suffering, is that actually suffering leads to perseverance, which leads to character, which leads to hope. Yeah. Um, and I think we can't see that played out in Zuko, but that's a fictional, like, unimportant version. Hmm. Um, the hope we have mm. um, is that not, yeah, not only do we suffer... Because we're followers of Christ, mm. Christ suffered, and we suffer because we're living a Christ-like life. Yeah. Um, but actually, 
Christ suffered and is now in glory, mm. rightfully in glory, and we who do not deserve glory suffer with Christ or share in Christ's sufferings, and we will glory as well, and that's where our hope is. Mm. Um, so even though we were not, um, we are not by by nature like glorious <laughs> in and of ourselves. God's made us for that purpose. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, I might not read the whole thing, but mm. I will. I'll jump a bit to verse eight, which is that God demonstrates His own love for us in this: while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Mm. So this is this idea again that our our ultimate needs um, were met by God. Mm. He loved us in Christ's death. Yeah, suffering is actually the solution to our problem. Mm. Um, Christ suffered death on a cross so that we would not suffer for eternity, but that does not mean that we're our lives here on earth are without all forms of suffering. Mm. But none of that suffering is going to remove our hope. In fact, it's actually going to give us more hope because mm. it's going to give us perseverance and character and hope. Um, mm. And so Peter then says in the in his letter, 1 Peter, um, chapter 4, from verse 12 to 16, he says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you mm. as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Mm. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Mm. So again, don't be surprised that you suffer. Because mm. I think so often suffering is a thing that pulls us away from God. Mm. That God, I'm, I trusted you, I trust you, and this happened. Yeah. I was trusting you on my terms. <laughs> yeah. So I was expecting you to make my life easy, mm. um, which is not the same as trusting God that he's in control when things don't go our way. Mm. Um, but I just love, if you suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Because mm. Christian, <laughs> mm. that first syllable there. Yeah. Christ. <laughs> yeah. You bear the name of Christ. Yeah. Who suffered. Yeah. And you will, you will suffer as well. Um, mm. And I think um, the result of that, uh, I think, is captured in, again, back in Romans, but Romans 8 this time, Romans eight eighteen, when Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Mm. Um, yeah, so I think the, the important things that the Bible reveals to us about suffering, just in, in those three sort of passages, yeah. are that suffering is not surprising. Mm. Suffering has a purpose, mm. and suffering is temporary. Mm. Um, yeah, and that's sort of not one, one from each in any particular order, but if you look at them all together, yeah. our suffering is not evidence that God does not love us, in fact. Mm. Christ's suffering is evidence that he does. Mm. And if we are in Christ, we are like Christ, we will share in what Christ experienced. Mm. And not to the extent that he did. 
but Christ, just as Christ's suffering achieved salvation for all who believe, mm. that because Christ died, all who call on his name will be saved, mm. our suffering refines us, builds our character, makes us strong and stable to persevere, um, and reminds us of what is coming. Mm. We shouldn't be comfortable in this world. We don't belong here. Mm. We were made for, for glory. We were made for the kingdom. And, um, mm. yeah, I think those three passages are the most important things I think to note about suffering is that it has a purpose. Um, it's temporary, uh, and it's to be expected. Yeah. Um, but maybe most important isn't the right word because I think the most important thing that the Bible says about suffering is that Christ suffered for us. Yeah. That's the most important thing. Yeah. But as an individual, as a human pondering our own suffering, mm. Those three things. Don't be surprised. Um, but know that it's temporary and there's purpose. Mm. Um, yeah. Nice. It's like that, uh, the story, the narrative arc idea. Like, in the midst of suffering is the middle of the journey. Mm. And, and there's a, a happy ending at the end of the story. And so there's a purpose. What was the purpose? Um, it's not the end. That was album you had. Uh, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised because it's a story. It's like yeah, if, uh, if you're going to suffer doubly if you are not expecting this to be an arc. <laughs> you know, yeah. if you thought your arc was strength to strength, success to success, mm. no suffering ever, then you're going to suffer even more mm. when it comes. And so it's not a surprise. It's part of life. It's the middle of the arc and not the end. That's right. And I think in the same manner. Um, <laughs> fantastic reason where to find them. Uh, Newt Scamander has a quote that I love that um, that made my wife in theatres go, huh. <laughs> like, yeah. But he, he says, I believe if you worry, you suffer twice. Ooh. Um, and so I think as well, in terms of, I was talking and we, we were talking primarily about present suffering. Yeah. But also worrying about what might happen. Yeah. Is a form the worrying and the experience of future suffering, they're both suffering. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um hope is the antithesis of worry. Yeah. Um and so if, if suffering produces perseverance, character and hope, yeah. Then um it doesn't make us worried. Yeah. And yeah, if you worry, you suffer twice. I think it's one of the, one of the, the best <laughs> bits of life advice from, um, from a movie. Yeah. That's great. That's awesome. Mm. That's so good. And then, yeah, I suppose that's why we can rejoice in our sufferings because we have this hope that will come through the end. Yeah. And that will rejoice, result in more hope. Yeah. Like, oh, good. That's awesome. Mm. That's uh, right. And yeah. if I can add, cause I, I want to hear, I want to hear your thoughts on the Bible. Um, but if I can add just that, I think when the Bible talks about, uh, suffering as a Christian, mm. I think it says two things. Yeah. Uh, and that is not only we may suffer because we are Christians, um, there's persecution in the mm. world. Like the world is in general, not for God. Mm. Uh, if we are followers of God and followers of Christ, going to experience the backlash of that mm. um so i believe when paul talks about suffering it's suffering for suffering for faith mm. um there's suffering for being a christian mm. but i also believe 
Paul talks about elements of suffering all things like a Christian. Mm. And I think that's an important thing to remember as well because we can associate, it's like, if you suffer anything, it's like, no, is this persecution? Is this because I'm a Christian? Mm. Like, no, some suffering is actually brought on ourselves. Yes. <laughs> um, sometimes we suck. We are the agents of evil and also therefore the victims of evil. <laughs> um, but um, it's a thing that I think those two distinctions are important to get right for Christians. Yeah. Is that, yeah, you will suffer because you're a Christian. It will, will happen. And if it's not happening, um, something's up. Mm. Um, in, in lots of other instances, like if, if, if someone said to me, you know, oh, like no one in my family has ever, has ever had cancer. I would say, praise God for that. Yeah. That's a form of suffering where if you don't face it, praise God. Yeah. But suffering because you're a Christian, it's like, it's kind of like a rite of passage. Mm. (laughs) That means you're a Christian. Mm. Um, sharing in suffering like Christ did is, if it doesn't happen, um, Something's up. Yeah. Um, you gotta ask yourself, you know, why do none of my friends, uh, exclude me from things? <laughs> um, because I'm a Christian or, yeah, don't go looking for trouble, but, um, yeah, yeah. Part of the Christian gig is suffering and part of not being surprised by suffering is don't avoid suffering. Yeah. And doing things boldly, risking that you might suffer. Mm. But again, don't go looking for trouble, but. Yeah, if you like getting snide comments, at least. Yeah, maybe. You tell, go up to a stranger and tell them, tell them that you love Jesus, and just <laughs> see how they react. Um, yeah, well. <laughs> yeah, great. Um, yeah, sorry if that got overly um, preachy, but I just thought that was an important <laughs> distinction: suffering for being a Christian and suffering like a Christian. Yeah, because not all suffering will be persecution, but um, Christians are still called to respond to all kinds of suffering. In a godly way. Yeah, as yeah, well. That's yeah. good. That's but, great. please, I'm really keen. Uh, what have you got for us? Yeah. Um, what has scripture got for us? Well, um, when I think of suffering, I think of Job. Mm. Um, and who just suffers probably the most in the Bible. And it's rough. It's really rough. Probably up there with, like, David in the Psalms. It seems like he's just mm. constantly in anguish. Um, man, if Job wrote Psalms. Oh. <laughs> Oh man! Well, a lot of it's poetry, so it it could be so like some, I suppose. Yeah. It's like, why is my life like this? Oh, I curse the day that I was born. This is the pits. Um, <laughs> fair enough, man. It's, it's the pits, not the Ritz. <laughs> um, yeah, and I guess in the vein of like suffering like a Christian, I was listening to a talk recently, and he was saying. Why, why did Job's friends get condemned and Job is declared righteous before God? Mm. Job has all of these awful complaints to say to God and he just pours his heart out to God, but he's still righteous. And the, the speaker was saying the difference between he and his friends is that Job cried out to God mm. and they cried out maybe about God. Uh, and that's not what faith is. Faith, Job in that moment cries out to a God who, he doesn't really make sense at the moment, but I still, I don't lose faith. I don't abandon God like his wife tells him to. Mm. And I, I still cling to him even though I'm cursing right now. Even though I, I hate the day that I was born, I'm 
still holding on to him. And it's such a powerful, powerful way to hold on as a Christian. And I think even more than that, powerfully talks about the way Jesus held on to his father as he mm. suffered. Um, mm. As he sat on a cross, as he, you know, spoke the, the words of Psalm 22. Why have you forsaken me? It might have seemed in that moment, yeah, like, death is imminent. I'm struggling to breathe. The nails in my hands are literally killing me. Mm. What am I going to do? I cry out to God. Yeah. I cry out and, and I lament. There's so many songs of lament throughout the scriptures. And that's okay. Yeah. That's a good thing for Christians to do. That is the correct response to hardship, is turning to God. Yeah. Yeah. You just like, yeah, it's just, life is not easy. And the Bible is not in any, you know, uh, illusions about that. Mm. It's it, it recognizes how hard life is because Jesus recognizes how hard life is. Yeah. The only problem is that Jesus suffered on our behalf so that we wouldn't have to suffer in the same way. Mm. We live in a broken world, but Jesus has taken the ultimate suffering so that we won't have to take ultimate suffering. Yeah, and I love that you mentioned Psalm 22 because a lot of, um, there's, you know, there's sort of different ways you can read mm. Jesus' quote there because he just says the first line of the psalm. Mm. which in context is really, like, you look at that verbatim as if it wasn't quoting something, it was just a thing he said of, yeah, God, why are you forsaking me? That's probably how it felt. Yeah. And I've read up a little bit on, well, just the rest of the psalm, mm. in that if that was a familiar psalm for people, they're hearing, and if they know the, how that psalm ends, yeah, they'll see, um, you know, speaking of, Speaking of God, uh, for he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. Mm. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. Mm. Um, from you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. Um, the poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. Um, like, there's a real turnaround in that psalm. Mm. And... So yeah, the first line, the opening line, fits in context with what Christ's feeling in his sufferings, mm. but also what Christ did on the cross achieves the end mm. of the psalm, which I love. Um, yeah. Yeah. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it, or it is finished. Mm. Ooh, nice. Nice. So he doesn't just quote the first line. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if the language is identical, um, but I'm assuming the psalm was not written in Greek, and the gospels were. Mm. Um, but yeah, it mm. is finished. He has done it. Yeah, that's gold. That's gold. Which I love because that's yeah. Christ's suffering was as far from in vain as you can get. Yeah. Speaking of someone whose eternal life rests entirely on Jesus having suffered yeah. <laughs> and risen. Yeah. He's done it. That's so good. Yeah. So good. It reminds me of um, Hebrews 12. It says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, mm. scorned the shame, and 
even Jesus recognizes suffering is not the end of the story. Suffering is is the where he is at the time is the climax of the story. The, the climax of all history is suffering, or his story. Ah. history. Duh. <laughs> Sorry, please. I really interrupted the flow of what you're doing, but it wasn't meant to be. It wasn't meant to be a witty joke. It was genuinely all of history is God. Um, yeah, yeah. It is his story, and so at the pinnacle of that is is suffering and triumph, mm. triumph through suffering. Yeah, and similar to our stories, there will be triumph at the end of this suffering. Yeah, if you're a Christian. Uh, and if you're not, well, suffering is just your story. And uh, I, I encourage you to come to know Jesus who suffered so that they can be triumphed. Mm. Because otherwise, this is the best that life gets for you. Yeah. And that sucks. Yeah. Suffering without purpose. Suffering without, you know, hope that it's temporary. Mm. Suffering without identity. Yeah. Yeah, we suffer, Christians suffer, knowing that we are one with Christ who suffered. Mm. Yeah, otherwise that suffering is is fruitless. Mm. Um, yeah, it's fruitful in that it gives glory to God, and that He is shown to be just, and mm. that there's a purpose in that, in that He shows His justice. But for those experiencing it, it's gonna just there's no hope at the mm. end of that suffering. There's a just descent into Ozark. Full circle. Here we go. Full circle. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. We should lighten this up. Yeah, we're gonna have uh, a fun segment, but uh, I don't know if we've done this. It's certainly not a thing we regularly do, but I might pray because suffering is really heavy. Yeah. And um, yeah, I feel I feel the pull to pray. Mm. Um, as the right response to suffering Lord God we thank you uh, that we know that you have great love for us Mm. we thank you that we see it most clearly and plainly um, and overwhelmingly in the suffering and death of our Lord Jesus Christ Uh, we thank you that you did not abandon him to to, to decay Mm. uh, but that he rose again in glory and that because he died and rose uh, our shame is dead mm. and we will live forever with you uh, Lord until that day uh, where either uh, yeah we die and join you in, in your kingdom or if you if Jesus comes back before then uh, Lord in this interim period we know pain and we know aching uh, but Lord we know that uh uh, that in the end it will be all right. Um, that mm-hmm. our suffering uh, is 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 shared by Jesus. Mm-hmm. Our suffering uh, reminds us of the hope we have in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, that we are being grown um, in our groaning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah, God, thank you that suffering has a purpose. Our suffering is temporary, um, and Lord. Help us to not be surprised, but to rejoice mm. when we suffer. And, uh, yeah, Lord, I think of the, the lyrics of, uh, King's Kaleidoscope's Ache, a short song. Uh, and Lord, uh, 
I pray them to you now um, in saying that I know uh, it's all right. You are near every night, always at my side, always at my mind. And uh, the fear and the fights, uh, the pain and the plight has no hold on my life. In the dark there is light. When I feel so suppressed, all the things in my chest, when the fear doesn't rest, you protect. Because you see and you ache and your heart doesn't wait. You're already there. I've seen you. I've seen you to see you again. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, man. Sometimes on a tough day, I listen to that song on a loop. So, sorry, speaking through tears now. But, <laughs> um, yeah, Ache by King's Kaleidoscope is a really good loopy song for a bedtime routine. If you're having a really crap day and you want, you need to be reminded of uh, the purpose mm. of suffering um, and the, the appropriate response to suffering. But, yeah, you see and you ache, that gets me. Like. Mm. God sees our suffering and he doesn't look on at a distance mm. and say, yeah, good. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's not pleased by it, but yeah. he's doing great stuff through it. Mm. And But it but it hurts him. Yeah. Our hurt hurts him. Yeah. Mm. And that's why Jesus suffered. It's because ultimately that kind of suffering that, that God aches over, mm. that we ache over, it's not going to, it's going to end for all those who are in Christ. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, we have a great high priest, yeah, who can sympathise with our suffering. Mm. Um, yeah, I wasn't expecting to cry that much in that episode, and I wasn't expecting to quote that song. So if it felt like, oh, does he, did he forget the lyrics? Yes, he did. I had to go because <laughs> um, I was too emotional to remember them. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I could have remembered them if I was writing them down, <laughs> but because I was speaking, then my brain was like sadness, not, <laughs> not sadness, just emotion. Um, but uh, we're going to do a head-to-head MCU trivia quiz. I've sent Clarky the link. Um, we've neither of us have done this before. Um, we googled it just before. It's uh, one question from each MCU movie. I assume chronologically because it starts with Iron Man. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the second one's The Incredible Hulk, so I think it's chronologically. Um, so let's cast our minds back to 2008. All right, what is the Iron Man question, Clarky? What song plays at the beginning of the movie? Is it Iron Man by Black Sabbath, Back in Black by ACDC, Ordinary World by Duran Duran, or Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin? Lucky answers in. Oh, yeah, I've already put one in while you were answering the question. I have... I'm very unsure of this question. Interesting. Well, talk me through it. So I've, I've given the answer and I've gotten it right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I know Back in Black is like his anthem, but Iron Man, I think that does play in, but it might be in the credits. Uh, I don't know songs that well. Uh, I'm gonna go Iron Man. Oh, Back in Mate, Black. it's Back in Black. Cause I was like, that's in the Avengers. That's his appearance in the Avengers. Um, well, when he appears, like in Germany, uh, when Cap's fighting. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking uh, of. That is Shoot to Thrill by ACDC. Ah. Um, Getting confused with my Akadaka. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Back in black. Nice. Back in black. What's the question for the next one? All right. The Incredible Hulk. What does Tony tell Thaddeus Ross at the end of the film? Ah, yes. This post-credit scene that is not post-credits. Yeah. 
that he wants to study the Hulk, that he knows about S.H.I.E.L.D., that they are putting a team together, that Thaddeus owes him money. Yeah. You know this one, don't you? Uh, I haven't seen The Incredible Hulk in a long time. Well, I'll give you I'll give you a hint because I put in the answer I've gotten it correct. He words it as a rhetorical question, or maybe not even a rhetorical question. It's phrased as a question. So this question says, "What does he tell Thaddeus Ross?" Technically, yeah. he poses it as a question. Yeah, that. Uh, yeah, I can see either of my options being posed as a question. I'm going to say. They want to study the Hulk. Nah, they're putting a team together. What if I told you we're putting a team together? Oh, there you go. Yeah. Fun fact about that, though, he's not talking about recruiting the Hulk. He's He was sent by Coulson to ask about recruiting the Abomination, and they sent Tony because they didn't want it to work. Oh. That's, look up Marvel One-Shot, uh, Marvel One-Shot, One-Shot, The Consultant. Okay. Yeah. All right, all right. All right, Iron Man 2. What fake name does Natasha use when she first meets Tony? Oh, my goodness. I'm going to get this one wrong. I think you're going to win this quiz. <laughs> oh, yeah. Look, I'm already three for three. So the options are Natalie Rushman, Natalia Romanoff, Nicole Rowan, or Naya Rabe. I'm going to go Natalie Rushman. That's correct. You're correct. Well done. Yay. <laughs> this is the most like Natalia Romanoff. <laughs> So good. Yeah. Well, interestingly, um, her name should be... Well, her name is Natalia. Yeah. Um, like, in real life. So she goes by um, Natasha. But her name should be Natalia Romanova because she's female. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, not Romanoff. There you go. Uh, but, yeah, Natalie Rushman is her pseudonym in Iron Man 2. Uh-huh. All right, Thor. What does Thor want another of when he's in the diner? A slice of pie, a piece of toast, a stack of pancakes, a cup of coffee. I know which one I'd want another of. Pancakes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> another, another stack. <laughs> oh, that'd be good. Yeah, so we're all clear on that one. A cup of coffee. It's a cup of coffee, yes. That's iconic. iconic. Yeah. It's a mug. He throws it down, and it gets called back to in um, Dark World when Volstag throws a mug. Yeah, right. Briefly. It's sort of Thor's watching on. It's a bit of a, um, you know, those movies where the hero is watching his friends and they're all having fun and the music sort of fade, has faded oh, out. He's, yeah, sure. He's doing his sort of reflective, uh-huh. my heart's on my girlfriend sort of thing, but they're all having a great time. And he's just, oh, do you ever just feel like you're alone even though you're surrounded by people? <laughs> <laughs> Thor's having one of those moments. Yeah. <laughs> um, Classic. The Avengers. Natasha remarks. Oh, you missed Clint. one. Oh, did I? Captain America, the first Avenger. Oh, I did. I scrolled too far. Captain America, the first Avenger. Where does Peggy tell Steve she wants to meet him for a dance before he plunges into the ice? I know it. Uh, The options are the Cotton Club, the Stork Club, El Morocco, or the Coca Cabana. Yeah. This one you can rule out right off the bat. Because it's a yeah. Barry Manilow song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the hottest spot north of Nevada. Um, that's so weird. I would have gotten that right without the options. That's so funny. Oh, man. Uh, what a detail to hang on to. Yeah. Oh, I also got that one right. The Stork Club. The Stork Club, yeah. It's there the you Stork go. Club. Uh, I think it's 8 o'clock, don't you dare be late, is what she said. Yeah. Nice. Um, now it's the Avengers. Will you read this question? Yeah, Natasha remarks to Clint that the Battle of New York is a lot like what? The time in Budapest, the time in Prague, the time in Istanbul, or Sokovia. Hmm. 
What a classic. Another classic line. Have you already given your answer? Yeah. Okay. Because you and I remember Budapest very differently. <laughs> um, like Budapest, low again. All right. I'm at three. What is the name? Oh, okay. Uh, what is the name of the little boy Tony befriends while stranded? Oh, yeah. Wow. Harry, Henry, Harley or Holden? Uh, yeah. Okay. Do you know? Yes, Harley. Yeah, it is Harley. Yeah. <laughs> I almost thought Holden, but I was getting confused with something else. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just answering them during the asking of questions, so always feel free. You can, if you know the answer, just say it right off the bat because I'm already. All right, you're already all over. Even if I don't, even if I don't know and I'm guessing, I'll do it before the question is finished being read out. Um, Thor: The Dark World. Where does mm. Sif and Volstag hide the reality stone at the end of the movie? Volmir, Volton Asgard, inside Sif's sword, or they give it to the collector. Well. Considering that's where they end up in Infinity War. Mm. The Collector. One down, five to go. Mm. <laughs> it's that turn into nothing. Yeah. I know, he's just, just collecting. Yeah. Um, all right, what's the question for the Winter what Soldier? What does the Winter Soldier say after Steve recognizes him for the first time? Who the hell is Bucky? Do I know you? He's gone. What did you say? Come on. Ah, uh, yeah. I was. I second guess myself. What did you put? I put, do I know you? Do I know you? That's like, that's the least likely, mm. surely. Because he's brainwashed and he's an assassin. Can you imagine him then suddenly going, do I know you? Yeah. Well. <laughs> that's, um, that actually happens in Ghost Whisperer. Really? Yeah. Okay. So it goes to Whisperer. What a weird reference to throw in. <laughs> no, no. So her husband dies. And she's on the street, she sees his ghost, and he sees her, and he realizes he's dead, and he gets really sad, and then he sees a guy that's, like, almost dead or something on, like, a stretcher, and he just, like, jumps into his body, and then everyone else sees him as this guy, Sam, but she, because she sees ghosts, he looks like her husband, and he looks at him and goes, do I know you? And it's a weird... Anyway, see, it's too polite for an assassin to say. Yeah, it's so true. Anyway, sorry for that tangent. Guardians of the Galaxy! Should've got that one. What are the three items Rocket claims he needs in order to escape from prison? <laughs> Security card, a fork and an ankle monitor, a band, a battery and a prosthetic leg, a pair of binoculars, detonator and prosthetic leg, or a knife, cable wires and Peter's mixtape. Uh, 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 I think... Uh, I know this one. I'm getting mixed up now. Oh, mm. man. Have you narrowed it down to two, I'm assuming? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The two that include that one item? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, oh, okay, yeah. I know what I was getting mixed up with. I was thinking, yeah, because when she pulls the, the band off of his arm, mm. I was mixed, getting mixed up with that and the leg. I was like, is it a prosthetic arm? Mm. Or is it a leg? But, yes. It's a security band. Yep, and it gets the battery off the wall. Yep, Groot. <laughs> Classic. All right, Age of Ultron, what word does Tony utter that makes Steve say language? Well, we can't say all of these words. <laughs> um, but, well, the options are crap, um, butthole, spelt with an A, um, poop spelt with an S, and idiot. <laughs> We're going to go, oh. Oh, you know what? My phone moved. That's One out of two, and I got it wrong. <laughs> Uh, I should have gone with my gut. 
That's all right. Sugar honey and iced tea. Yep. What animal in Ant-Man does Darren Cross unsuccessfully shrink? This is just mean, really. Mm. It's pretty uh, pretty awful. Mouse, sheep, duck, or hamster. Well, that's interesting. Unsuccessfully. It turns into goop. But that's, um... Oh. Uh, but he also does successfully shrink it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yes. Pretty cold. Pretty rough. Pretty cold. Um... Mm. But yeah, yeah, it's cheap. <laughs> um, Civil War. Who isn't on Iron Man's team? The options are Vision, Black Panther, Hawkeye, Black Widow. Yeah, well, it depends. Depends on what point in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah. No, there's. This, I know. I, I know which two. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I just need to think of like what happens when. Um, talk us through it. Talk us through it. So it's it's Hawkeye and Black Widow, um, because they have a fight and they're like, "We're still friends, right?" And they're like, "Oh yeah." Cool. Depends on how hard you hit me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but who's on which team? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then Black Widow ends up shooting Black Panther with her like stinger, mm-hmm. and so I'm gonna go. Who isn't on Iron Man's team? Hawkeye. There we go. Yeah, because she's effects. Because she, yeah, she changes. Yes. Yes. All right, I was worried that you were going to be like, because she shoots Black Panther. No, yeah. Um, Doctor Strange, what type of doctor is Stephen Strange? Neurosurgeon, cardiothoracic surgeon, sorry, thoracic surgeon, trauma surgeon, plastic surgeon. Well, yeah, okay. Have you answered yet? Yes. Neurosurgeon. Neurosurgeon, you got it right there. Cool. I was thinking maybe trauma, but no, no, because he does hand he does handle a gunshot wound, mm. but it's in a brain and oh yeah, okay, makes sense. There you go. Uh, Guardian <laughs> of the Galaxy Volume Two. Finish this line. <laughs> I'm blank. Y'all, Superman, Peter Pan, Underdog, Mary Poppins, <laughs> Underdog. That's great. <laughs> underdog, y'all. What a classic movie. Nice. Mary Poppins, what I kind of claim. In Homecoming, who does Stan Lee appear as? A guy helping who Spider-Man helps across the street, a neighbor who is disturbed by a car alarm, Peter's upstairs neighbor, or a guy who works at a hot dog cart? Yeah, that's interesting that they include the word neighbor in two of them. I feel like if someone was thinking between those two, they'd get confused. Yes. Um, on a quick read-through. But, um... But yes. Have you answered and, and got it? Yeah, yeah. the car alarm. Yeah. Don't make me come down there, you punk. <laughs> <laughs> what a classic. Oh, oh, okay. Ooh-hoo-hoo. Thor Ragnarok, what is Valkyrie's scrapper number three? 16, 142, 232. I feel like they made it so much easier in throwing in, um, have you answered? Yeah, yeah. In throwing in one and two digit numbers. Yeah. Um, if they had done it, yeah. they could have made this very confusing, but she's scrapper 142. Yeah. Yeah. And the other big number ends in two, and so I thought, well, maybe. Mm. But 142, yeah. Yeah. Classic. Nice. Black Panther, what did Killmonger and Klaas steal from the Museum of Great Britain? Mm. Just vibranium. Vibranium in a mask. A map of Wakanda. A map of Wakanda and vibranium. 
there's some pick and choosing. Yeah. Well, what do they come there for is a different question. Yeah. What do they get? Yeah. Vibranium in a mask. Vibranium in a mask. Because he grabs the mask and Claw asks, is that vibranium too? Mm. And he says, nah, I'm just feeling it. Yeah. Yeah. So, what a great way to introduce the villain. Yeah. Oh, oh man. Yeah. When he's, he's like, he's like hipster art major, um, just ensemble of the yeah, glasses yeah. and his hair up and his denim jacket. I'm like, not only does he look fantastic, yeah. <laughs> it's a real look, but also I like 100% picture him like walking, a, walking through a museum and like, honestly, like paying out the um, ignorant white, <laughs> um, like kind of racist lady at the museum. Yeah, well. Like, he makes really valid points as well. Like, how do you think your ancestors got all this stuff? Yeah, well, um, even better, it's in the Museum of Great Britain. Yeah. That, like, oh, mate, the memeiest. They'll yeah. block you if you if you tweet about them. <laughs> That's <laughs> it. Um, Infinity War, what elective class did Thor take on Asgard? Ooh, speaking Groot, hammer-making, flying spaceship, or taking care of rabbits? Hmm. No, he can speak Groot. He does all these things. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, learning to speak Groot. Yeah. Which is strange because it seems like in Volume 3, when they are like in the, the Groot family is when they learn to speak Groot. Mm. Like when uh, Gamora suddenly understands him all of a sudden. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, okay, he's been inc- we've been included. Yeah. And then when he says, I love you guys. Yeah, so the idea, like, that behind Groot saying, I love you guys, is, like, James Gunn is saying that now we have been with him long enough that we can understand him. Yeah. Um, but also, that kind of is weird when you think about when he says, we are Groot, as yes. well. Like, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think the way that I've sort of connected those two dots is that, like, Groot is just a straight-up language mm. that you can learn to speak, but also it's a language that is intuitive enough mm. that... If you spend enough time with someone, you bear with the frustration of them only communicating with three words. Yeah. You pick up on what they're saying. Yeah, nice. Yeah. But then, the I love you guys, I kind of don't like that as, as the audience because um, I think he just spoke it in English. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. everyone else can speak, like Groot understands English. Yeah. They speak to him in English, so why can't he speak it? Yeah. There's nothing stopping that. It's a, it's a weird thing. Yeah. Is. And I am Steve Rogers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so clearly he speaks it. <laughs> so good. Uh, the best part of that one was, I am Groot. You jump from the thousand feet. <laughs> <laughs> you got all of that from I am Groot. <laughs> so good. Uh, I, my favorite is I am Groot and Nebula saying, yeah, it looked cool. <laughs> because that's one of three other times in the movie where someone says, did that look cool? <laughs> All right, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah. Um, okay, my phone keeps like, the ads keep like loading and then disappearing, so my phone keeps oh, moving. Yeah. So there's one of the questions I actually got right, and it moved and made me get it wrong. But um, it was the Iron Man swearing one. But um, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Scott hid an old Ant-Man suit underneath the trophy what did that trophy say? Mm. World's greatest dad, world's greatest superhero, world's greatest aunt, or world's greatest grandma? 
Yeah, no, you're wrong. They get you? Did you go... It's grandma. No, aunt. Aunt. So I thought that'd be more funny. Yeah, okay. Because ah, cause Cassie gave it to him, and they're having a serious conversation. She's like, I know you can do it. You know how? And it's like, how? Because you are the world's greatest grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Love it. What's the Captain Marvel... Captain um, Marvel. What is Caracal's nickname for Monica? How, did you say Caracal? Maybe. <laughs> right. So Carol's nickname for Monica... We've got Sergeant yeah, Danger, Commander again. Monica, Lieutenant Trouble, or General Mo. Uh, you can do it. Lieutenant Trouble. Yeah, it is Lieutenant Trouble. All right. And oh, that was another thing I was getting. I'm like, isn't Monica an adult? He <laughs> <laughs> kept him up in the 90s. 90s. Kid, yeah. All right. In Endgame, what is Natasha's final line before she sacrifices herself on... For me. Mm. Let me go. It's okay. Tell everyone I... And Clint. Mm. This one had me worried. I got it right, but... Yeah. I was tossing up, and I was yeah. like, if I get it wrong, because she might say both, but I wasn't sure what she said last. What were you thinking? Were you tossing up? Have you already answered? Yeah. You're okay, so you're not, you're not fishing for my clues. No, no, no. Uh, um, between let me go and it's okay... I wasn't mm. sure if she said let me go. Yeah. But said it's okay last. I think that's actually what happened. Yeah. But I think she said both. But she said it's okay last. Yeah, because he doesn't actually let her go, though. She, like... She kicks off. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why I, was, I said the same. I'm like, but she didn't say that. Yeah. And then, yeah, anyway. Anywho, far from home. What necklace does Peter buy for MJ? Oh, like the murder. <laughs> We've got a Black Dahlia necklace, the Black Sunflower necklace, a St. Christopher necklace, uh, and an NYC Skyline necklace. Classic Black Dahlia. Black Dahlia, like the murder. Like the murder. Uh, oh, yeah. we've got, there's a bonus round. What? With two extra questions, but um, did, how, what did you get out of 23? 18. Is that, which, is 23 higher than that or not? 23 <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> But there, there's a one division question and a Falcon and the Winter Soldier question. Yeah. What is the first line of Agatha all along? Um, wow. Who's been pulling every evil string? Uh, who's been messing up everything? Who's been controlling this whole thing? It's been Agatha all along. I'm pretty sure it's this one. Oh, I was wrong. Oh, I was right. It's who's been messing up everything. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I got one wrong. Um, Classic. I went for who's been pulling every evil string, but... Yeah, I got them in the wrong order, because that's still a line in the song, but not the first one. And in The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which have you seen yet? No. Cool. Well, this is going to be fun. Mm-hmm. How many dog tags is Bucky seen wearing throughout the show? How'd you get? Uh, well, the options are one, two, three, and none. And um, I put two and was correct. I also put two and was correct. There you go. So yeah, you beat me yeah, in the yeah. bonus round, because I, I only got one out of two, and you got um, two out of two. Yay! And I got 23 out of 23. Yes. So. And as we said, one of us is the loser and one of us is Adam. Yep. <laughs> we both had fun. We hope you did too. Let us know how you did going along with us. Yeah. Anyway, that's uh, brings to the end of this episode. We had a good time. Ciao for now. Bye.